is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We are officially in the Hall of Fame weekend. What are you eating? I'm, I'm officially into something else. <laughs> I am into a Portuguese tart from Derek Brandeo, the best tech guy on earth. Usually I'm screaming out, uh, welcome, blah, 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 I'm blah, 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 you're blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Let's just go to Derek Brandeo and none of us are existing right now over a Portuguese tart. That's it. That's the sole focus, a single Portuguese tart, as well as uh, some Portuguese water here, Pedras. And did uh, Jen Rolnick bring us anything? She did. She brought us the poppies that fell <laughs> off my shirt, and she brought me a, a yes. new one. She brings us poppies. Yeah. That's a good thing. No Sammy today. We've got Tristan. Mark, uh, Mark, Johnny. Mark, Janny. Mark, Janny. Listen, buddy, it's Friday. I could have really Couldn't used you. Could be a Smith you. for him today. A, a Jones, <laughs> uh, you know, just it's Friday. We know it's going to fall off the rails because we have Doug McClain coming on a little later on in the show. Luke Fox is going to stop by. I want to get a little bit of a feel going into this game because there's some that suggested that Sheldon Keefe was not in a good mood uh, the other day and uh, skated them, I think, probably a little. Is that right? Well, I don't know. I'm getting kind of a, a, a mixed signal. So mm-hmm. Luke was there. We. He'll 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 let us know uh, what happened the other day, and uh, was was there focus an issue uh, in practice going into a, another very important weekend? Sheldon is a big disguised bag skate guy. Like he'll be like, I want to bag them today, but I don't want to hear about it, or I don't want them feeling like they're being punished. How do we bag them without Ooh. bagging them? You know, where you give the, it's like it's a three on two and then a two on one and then a two on oh and then a back check. And, <laughs> and as a player, like, you're like, wait. Wait a second here. <laughs> I'm about to barf up a lung. And that drill wasn't fun at all. And we play Friday and Saturday, including Sid Crosby, Gino Malkin. They're not exactly uh, a house on fire, but they are coming off a pretty important win. Maybe mm-hmm. turn things around against the Washington Capitals the other night. Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, they're one of those teams where early in the season you go, okay, they're better than that. They're not. They're not uh, what their record says they are. You expect them to go on a run at some point, and the Leafs have them three times over the next two or three weeks. So you hope that point is not in November. We also have Phil Bork, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Penguins. He's doing a terrific job covering uh, their season as a broadcaster. He's going to come by and talk a little bit about uh, the seven-game losing streak that they snapped the other day. Can I interrupt you on Phil Bork? No, no, it's Friday, man. You interrupt me as much as you want. So the he is the guy who did the toe-down penalty shot, right? You know the one where he flipped a stick over, put it on the puck? In a, in a shootout? In On a penalty shot. On I'm a gonna, penalty I'm, shot. I'm going to pull it up. Sammy... Um, Sammy's not here today, but if you're listening, Sammy, Google it for us and let us know. <laughs> okay, carry on. Sorry. You're not allowed to completely have the day off, are you, if you're Sammy? No, we'll text him and get him to do something here. Uh, it sounds like it would be something Borky would have done. Okay. For sure. I'm going to find Not it. quite into the uh, Zegris, uh Michigan yet again, so you, you got a good 
look at that the other day and I think it was called back. So is yeah. it, it, when it gets called back, is it, is it as if it never existed? Oh yeah. Never it's existed. wiped out. Oh yeah. Didn't no ha- credit. <laughs> we don't get Nothing. to enjoy it at all. No, they'll still show that one. I think what is, so a lot of people, when I mentioned on Twitter, were like, do away with the offside rule. Timu Solani t- t- tweeted, the rule's got to go. The offside, offside challenge. Offside oh, the challenge. offside challenge. The rule's got to go from one of the greatest players, Hall of Famer. And I was curious to get your take on that. People, Some uh, people say, well, after 10 or 15 seconds, it should be null and void. Yeah. Okay. So if it's, if it's a whisker, we're okay with that. But if it, if it gets a little bit... What's the famous word? Egregious. Egregious. Mm-hmm. If it gets to that point, then we're going to be all over it. Mm-hmm. So, no, we're we're past that point. We are. It's either you're pregnant or you're not. We're either doing it right or we're not doing it right, and we've decided to get the call yeah, right. There, uh, that horse yeah. ain't getting back in the barn. No, imagine a day where we're like, now we're just going to let you know go back to to the ref's judgment, and all of a sudden it's playoffs, and a guy gets one wrong by two inches, and fans would be apoplectic while we're doing big words. Okay, so the Toronto Maple Leafs have done a, a pretty good job, I think, a very good job of accumulating points, and this was coming off. Last weekend, where we said, okay, maybe arguably the most important stretch of two regular season games yeah. that they've had in quite a while. Is is the pressure off Pittsburgh and Vancouver this weekend compared to where it was last weekend? Or would two losses put them right back to where we were in conversations prior to last weekend. Well, you remember how serious our conversations got about like Sheldon Keith's job, Kyle Dubas's job, Brendan Shanahan, MLSE. Like we were in deep on this stuff and they win a couple of hockey games and you're right. How far in the rear view is it if they go lose three hockey games in a row now and they're back to seven, seven and three. I think the reason we're talking, or at least the tone is that it's so much better is because you don't believe they're going back to that. You believe they're going to get some wins and, but there are going to be days, Kipper, where they sure stretches of the seasons where they lose two and three and maybe four hockey games in a row. And every time that happens, are we always just going to go back to, is this the end? I mean, I'm sure they hope not. I hope not, too. We've got, a, we got Luke Fox, who's going to give us a bit of a vibe of the last few days of practice going into this weekend. But there is a sense that uh, regardless of the, the points that they've accumulated, that and we've heard it from some of the Kippers Clippers this week that Sheldon still knows it it's, doesn't feel right. It's not, they've got work to do. Yeah. They're not where he'd like it to be. Um, and that's why I think getting through this weekend again with the combination of not only accumulating points, but just passing the eye test mm-hmm. on so many levels is important. I don't know if it's imperative. I don't know if it's, you know, uh, must, but they've got to, they've got to show that uh, they got to get back to where we believe that they are an elite team. What does that mean? Top five, top six. Yeah. But right now they just seem to be in the mix with a lot of teams. Yeah. 
and I know the people who don't like my fancy stats don't want to hear this, but the Leafs, after a pretty good stretch of games, Kipper, they they look pretty good again by the numbers. They do. They do. Like, everything shakes out that they're a pretty good team. They a lot Okay, of like top pos- team? Yeah. Like, like an elite? Like top three team in ozone possession time. You know, offensive, a lot of the offensive stats, passes in the offensive zone, east-west, slot shots, a lot of the creation numbers, they're, they're, they look pretty, good again. Pretty, 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 pretty Listening good. to uh, John Garrett the other day covering the Vancouver Canucks in Montreal, mm-hmm. and he, I think, talked about going either in the third period about Vancouver having actually a good ozone uh, numbers. John Garrett. John Garrett. I love John Garrett. Well, you're going to hate him in about two seconds when I tell you, he said, that's where you just don't give a crap yeah. about that. Well, I, because they're on the I, outside. I love because he loves numbers, yeah. They're on the outside. They don't get the puck to the middle of the net. Mm-hmm. They're never in dangerous areas. And if you had an, another two minutes above the team that you just played and you're down for Cobb, yeah. take that ozone stat and shove it right up beep yeah no 100% still love John Garrett he's bang on and I think that has been a criticism of the Toronto Maple Leafs in playoffs in big games they still have the puck they're still in the ozone their good players have it but they don't get in and that's the difference like I think of that goal that Connor McDavid scored the other night against uh was it Chicago I don't know who they slice and dice Carolina maybe no it wasn't Carolina but like where they're circled on the outside and yeah. he's able to get inside and make that play. Vancouver doesn't even challenge in, which is a really good point, I think, by by John. You know, I did an article today uh, on the Vancouver Canucks and one of their problems. And this is something that, you know, we'll see on Hockey Night in Canada here in a, uh, tomorrow. But their forwards do such a crap job at slowing down the opposition as they come out of their end. So like, you know what I mean? Like how you always want to have a forward above the center you know, slowing guys down, D yeah. side of the puck. Angling. Angling, exactly. All that stuff where you just, you make your life easier for your D, no help. So the Canucks D's okay, maybe, but they're always facing just tons of speed, backing them off, and it's just, it's on the forwards. Their forwards don't defend at all. Okay, we're going to uh, go to Luke in a little bit, but before that, let's go to a couple of uh, Sheldon Keefe uh, clips. You want to start with uh, the net on out? Did we learn anything New going into this weekend on Matt Murray. Let's have yep. a listen. Well, the, the outlook, first of all, is that he's progressed well. He's done well. You know, no, no decision, no final decisions have been made in terms of how we'll handle tomorrow. He's, I think he's still out on the ice there right now. But um, we'll get through today and make the determination from there. Okay, they know. They just don't want to say anything. He's good to go, right? Why? Well, he was out in the ice the other day, two hours. Yeah. He, Does that sound like a guy struggling with his groin? No. We're going to see Matt Murray on Hockey Night in Canada make, make you play his second game as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And that is terrifying. Not because I don't think Matt Murray can goaltender anything. I just don't, I don't even think he wants to get anywhere past like the first 20 minutes against Sid tonight. Yeah. It seems like for me, it feels like forever uh, Saturday night. So true. <laughs> just get through this. Yeah. Well, the hope is that Shalgren gets through it and we don't have to see Petrozelli tonight. And not again, on no disrespect to Petrozelli, just hasn't played any games at the NHL level. So if they need him, they're in big trouble. Um, but yeah, the goaltending situation still, still crisis mode here. 
Kipper. All right, and Sheldon also gave uh, Mark Giordano uh, some love yeah. on uh, uh, his, uh, I don't know, enforcer. <laughs> enforcer Giordano. Yes. Let's hear it. It's been it's been real nice. I mean, really nice for lots of reasons, but obviously we take Muzzin out of our lineup here right now, and losing his voice and his perspective, um, it's that much more important for us to have someone like Gio. So, you know, the leadership part of it has been excellent. The stability he brings on the ice as well and the consistency as well. All those things are very important for our team and specifically our defense. He's their guy. He's their guy. Since Lilligren has come in, seems to be a, a stabilizing somewhat factor. Do we sit there and go, okay, they're out of the woods yet with this defense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. But just seems to be a little more settled now. I guess, but here's my question is like, okay, so it's November 11th. Happy birthday to my brother on top of Remembrance Day, but happy birthday to him. Um, November 11th, what changes between now and playoffs to make you feel good about their D? Yeah, uh, the availability of another good D. <laughs> That's what would make me <laughs> would feel that better. Be it if they got one good right D, I, 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 that would that would wind chimes over there. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that would have to be only um, confirmed after you watch the continued development of a Sandine, a Lilligren, uh, moving forward. I, mm. I think those two guys are the how how much how better can they get? And for Sandine, it has to be a lot better. He's got to he's got to now be an everyday defenseman and and not necessarily be that liability in his own zone. But don't you think, you know, a guy at Sandine's size, you might be content with the way he plays currently if he's a little more physical or a little bigger or something like that. But don't you think that? The only step he can really take is offensively because at his size, doesn't he have to have some upside in some way if he's not going to be a pure defender? This is the, the debate I had with Lilligren last year, the old what would you say you do here. If Sandine is not going to be offensive, I don't know. It just feels to me like you need to see some something grow in his game and it's okay. not going to be – right. he's not going to grow. Well, what are the odds of that? Seriously. Come on. Well, then what, like, are, we, what are we doing? You're not, no one's growing. I know. <laughs> and <laughs> – it's glaring without a muzzin playing at the top of his game that they are oh yeah, I'll say it too soft back there. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that needs to be said about that decor because who is physical? You're like Riley, that's not his thing, it's not Hall, it's not Brody, it's not Sandine, it's not Lilligan. Geo our soon to be forty year old. Yeah. Geo and Geo is physical in the way he's competitive. Yes. Like he'll go close in the corner and pin you against the boards. You bang on. Yeah, he's not going to go. No, he's, he's not running anybody or... over. And they don't have anyone. But back is, there. is one guy even enough to make you feel differently? Like Labushkin's a great example of, you know, they had him and it felt like they had one guy who did that, but it didn't make their overall decoy. Uh, it, it it was better. Yeah. It was, and you're right. Uh, again, four rounds of 
asking Labushkin to be your most physical defenseman mm-hmm. every other night, two months to try to win a Stanley Cup. Yes, you're right. I'd, I'd like another guy. But at least then they had Muzzin. You know, it was Labushkin and Muzzin. You know, like now you got yes. neither guy. So, you know, Labushkin at the deadline and Muzzin gets healthy after the year. You know, the other thing too is by Kyle going to find a Labushkin which at the time was like a diamond in the rough, mm-hmm. getting a, a physical defenseman, a right-handed shot, uh, a guy that didn't garner a lot of attention probably from other clubs. All Kyle Dubas did a year later is have every team look in the mirror and say, okay, do not lose a guy like this mm-hmm. to Kyle or anyone else out there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's that much harder a year later to say, okay, go find another Labushkin, Kyle. Mm-hmm. If they're they're well, not out not there, and, and teams are will protect yeah. those type of assets. I think a lot more because he was worthy enough for Buffalo to go pay him what over two and a half million dollars, yeah, a year. Yeah, I know everyone listening. Hey, he's plays eleven minutes a night. Do you think? 30, well, okay, you think knowing sounds good. What we know about the Leafs in their first, you know. 14, 15 games that they would have revisit that one and, and signed him at two and a half million? 100%. I, I bet that's a go back in time one. But they be. also, they didn't know that Muzzin would not be available and that probably changes things too. Okay. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> you could have foreseen how, that. that how do you not know? How do you not know? Yeah. Like, have you been watching? Can we go back to that documentary of All or Nothing when they're in the office and they're looking at their depth chart, and Sheldon looks at Kyle and says, okay, if Muzzin goes down, then what do we have? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You know what kills me is you probably heard this too, that they left a ton on the cutting room floor. floor. It sounds like the Leafs were pretty hard about what they would let out to be in that documentary. Yes, as, like- as all teams are. But, like, you and I have got so much out of that documentary two years later. <laughs> Imagine Listen, if they gave us the good stuff. I... Uh- if I ever ran a team, I'd avoid that like oh, the, cameras, like the, like the yeah. plague. Yeah. No, I I agree. I, I I mean, those road to the winter classics when they started, just with, they were unbelievable. No good that can come out of that. No. Nothing. Zero. <laughs> I mean, I will no, that's not right. Fan engagement. Cuz we talk about it, fans watch it, people are entertained at the end of the day. No, this, no, I'm being selfish. Now. I don't product. give a crap about that stuff. Yeah. I'm just talking from the the lens of an organization. Yeah. That's you, all. Yeah. I'll find a Maybe diff- the Coyotes hey, could do it. You want fan engagement? Someone else. Hey, Columbus. Set up a, a shooter tutor in the in the lobby in yeah. between periods. There, <laughs> you got fan engagement. What else do you want? You want to play trivia yeah. on the clock? I'll find other ways to engage you. And you know what coming doesn't work? Coming into my... Coming in, in in that manner? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I heard. I heard it was a bad experience, kind of all around. Doesn't sound like the people were overly welcoming to the crew. The whole doesn't sound like it went great. But the team versions, where like the team does it themselves and puts stuff out, like those are never any good. You know, you need to have these third parties come in and do okay. it. And when you know that there's a, when you know there's a camera there, and you know eventually this stuff gets out. No matter how authentic the viewer at home 
or someone looking on the Instagram's account think you're getting, yeah. you're not. No. You're not. When you know that this eventually can get out, no matter what you say, how you say it is altered. It's not. We should have a camera not for in, a pre-show. It is not in the purest of pure forms. No. Just so we understand this. Right. There's, there, there's always that, that sprinkle that. I'm aware this could get anything I, 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 interesting. I am, I am performing now. Yes, I am performing for you. So we get to say pretty much what we want to say, but we don't say exactly what we say because we know there's consequences. <laughs> no, I know. It's true. Right? Well, and, and we do in a certain, we, we come on a daily show. We perform. Yeah. Certainly that's an element of it. Okay, he Luke's on the line before we talk to yeah, him, or sorry. after we talk to him, I want to ask you about uh, the Eichel stuff. We have to get to the Eichel game last night. All right, we, let's go to Luke Fox. Uh, I retired him for the rest of the year because he wrote off the Leafs in his last article, but <laughs> apparently he's still working. Luke, what's going on? Uh, not much. Just drove my uh, 09 Jetta back from the rink. Uh, oh, a little bit of down, A little bit of downtime before go back for the, the Hall of Fame game tonight. Pretty cool. You know, I... Today is one of those days where I was kind of, you know, it's a job for all of us, but one of those days where I felt pretty grateful, you know, getting to to hang around Sidney Crosby's stall, ask him a few questions. There's going to be hockey royalty in the building tonight with the Hall of Fame class, Uh, you know, rumors that Borea Salming will will be there, and and I could just imagine the reception that he'll get with the battle he's going through right now if if they show him up on the Jumbotron. So tonight feels like a a, a really good night to be a hockey reporter and be in the building for this one. Yeah, well said. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Borea was, through my era, uh, a hero of mine. Uh, it's going to be fantastic uh, to see him. Uh, kind of different reports a little bit, I think, Luke, on you know the vibe of the of practice uh, the last couple of days, and uh, did did they get skated or did they not? Was there issues with Sheldon? Uh, thinking that maybe they lost their focus a little bit uh, the last few days. Like, what kind of vibe did you get out of the practicing uh, going into tonight? Well, what I'd say is that this year has felt different in terms of Sheldon cracking the whip. Uh, This week certainly isn't the fever pitch it was when they were at West. Um, He he stopped the drill out there a couple times, used some pretty colorful language, um, made guys do things over. Um, At one point I heard him tell another staff member that the guys had to stay on the ice a little extra time and put in some some extra work. They had a certain time that they had to stay on after the coaches left to work on individual stuff. He's definitely um, being hard on them, and it was like that even in training camp. And, And I think that that just speaks to the pressure he's trying to exert, probably the pressure he's feeling from above him, um, and it, it starts all the way at the top and, and is trickling down to the players. You look at a game like that Vegas game, and there was plenty of positives to take from it. You know, I think Eric Schalgren's keeping his head above water here, just like throwing right into the fire. All of a sudden, third stringer is your starter. Mitch Marner, uh, I thought that was the best version of Mitch Marner that we've seen so far this season. Timothy Lilligren has helped stabilize the blue line. Like There's, there's nice little stories, nice little positives. But then you look at how they lost that game on a shorthanded goal because 
their star players are out looking for cookies and trying to extend their the the first shift of the first power play unit they get burned the other way and it's kind of that sort of mental mistake or or that sign of lack of uh game management that has to drive a coach nuts and you could tell that Sheldon Keefe felt that way after that game when he was talking about it and kind of said that's not going to happen again like there's an edginess around this group there was a, a re- someone from another team was watching the morning skate this week and he said are these guys always this quiet and when you watch the Leafs practice and you watch you know this this week I've watched the Knights practice and I've watched the Penguins practice and there's just a, a looseness uh, with the other teams that isn't there with the Leafs um, maybe that's you know people like like us being very critical and, and they're hearing some of the noise or maybe it's just the fact that Things haven't gone smoothly. Their big guys aren't top 10 in scoring anymore. They're bottom six. There's a lot of guys trying to figure out where they fit. Like, what's going through Dennis Malgan's head every day? What's going through Nick Robertson's new head contract. every day? New, yeah. new contract. New contract. New <laughs> contract. Bunting needs a contract. He's not, he's not, you know, there's a lot of individual things going on with some of these fringe players where they probably feel a little bit of uncertainty, whether it's for their future or for the right now. Oh my and God. there's pre- have my and there's career from the coach. Every day's uncertainty. <laughs> what are they? Only, only the Sids and the yeah. Marners and the Matthews. The rest of us, yeah. come on. No, it is, and I, I totally get that too, Luke. The we were talking at the, off the top of the show, like what would it take to go back to where we were? We were just talking about Sheldon's job and Kyle and Brendan and yada yada. I don't know, ten days ago, and you know, winning cures all, but maybe is that part of the weight over this team that it feels like it's so close to slipping right back to where it was. Well, that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast here, right? It's, it's a roller coaster and it it can flip both ways. And really it, it all comes down to how they perform on the ice. Like you see the fans doing the power play off off the ice one week uh, when they can't get it going. And then people are partying and and screaming and loving a, a victory. It really all comes down to how the, the players perform. Uh, and I do think there's so many other stories, the box, like straight up debacles going around in the NHL that has also helped done the least a favor, right? When you consider what's going on in St. Louis and, and Calgary and Vancouver and Ottawa, like that, those sort of downsides have, have overshadowed and taken the focus away from the least, which is a good thing. We're talking to Luke Fox, who writes for sportsnet.ca. Still working. <laughs> what is the implication there? That he wrote off the Leafs uh, a week ago and, you know, nothing else you... to write after no, that. I, no. <laughs> I, I, have, I have issues with their roster construction if they want to consider themselves a Stanley Cup contender. This team, in my mind, you know, there's still a playoff team. There's still lots, lots of positives going on. I just think, you know, that there are issues. That, without a doubt. Without a doubt, um, what what is uh, what's the feeling that Sid and Malkin, uh, these guys have notoriously been known for le- killing the Leafs, and I got to think uh, Sid's got to be excited a little bit about that and Malkin, but he does have, I think, uh, zero points in the last three games against the Leafs. Is this a good time to be playing Pitt or a horrible time? I think it's a horrible time. <laughs> fair, fair. I'll tell you why. It's because they, they won that game against the Capitals. 
And it's kind of like, you know, you get that, you end the losing streak, you start to turn it around, all of a sudden you're in a high-profile game, Hall of Fame game, Friday night, uh, rolling through town. Um, I I think they're going to be firing on all cylinders. Yeah, it would not uh, shock me either. You know, we we were talking about the decor earlier and and what it's going to look like come playoffs. You know, last year they entered the playoffs with Labushkin and Muzzin. They got these two physical guys that have an edge. Right now it looks like they're not going to have that. Is there a way that we they can get steps from someone like Rasmus Sandin or someone like Lilligren? Like those guys can be become players good enough, physical enough, good enough defensively to to matter, or or will it look differently come playoffs for this Leafs team? I think it has to look differently, Justin. Uh, you know, and that's not to take away from the the progress they've made. I, I've been really impressed with the way Lilligren's played. I, I think the fact that. He has a is a right shot means a lot. You know, you think about that opening goal against Vegas, and Rasmus Sandin is is trying to hold the line on his on his backhand, and it doesn't work. Uh, you know, simple things like that I, I think matter. Rasmus Sandin's never shied away from contact. I think that's one thing uh, I lo- I love about him as a, as an observer. I think his teammates love that about him. But there's just a, an experience level, a size level, a boxing out the blue paint uh, commitment level that these guys haven't reached yet. And I don't think that's a fault of theirs. I, I just don't think they're there yet on their development curve. Uh, and I think we're, we're seeing what the Leafs miss, whether it's uh, a Labushkin or before him, a Bogosian, just a, a guy, you know what you're going to get every night, not flashy. He knows his role. He's not trying to get on the score sheet. He's not trying to, you know, curry favor with the coach and make sure he's in the lineup the next night. He just goes out and kills penalties, hits a few people, makes sure that he gets in the right lanes. Um, as Mike Babcock used to say, uh, a guy who knows where to stand. I think they need that type of guy, preferably a right shot. They need a, a different texture to me in their blue line, um, whether that's, you know, experience, ruggedness, and especially with Jake Muzzin there, and we don't know it's very uncertain whether, when, or if he's going to come back. So this doesn't look like the blue line that's going to be game one of the playoffs to me. Uh, some of the people should watch for this weekend. Is, is Jordy Ben going to get a look here? Because he, he brings an element of that. I still see him as a third-pairing guy, but he's done his conditioning stint with the Marlies. I'm, I wonder on a back-to-back if they flip someone out and give Jordy Ben uh, his first taste uh, tomorrow against the Canucks. Hey, Luke, uh, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for doing this for us. All right, anytime, guys. Have a great one. Luke Fox, you too, Sportsnet.ca. So, like, not much choice here. you got to get Jordy Ben in there mm-hmm. and hope he is a poor man's Jake Muzzin. Yeah, uh, y- yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. I just, everything you say and everything we talk about is always extrapolated out to playoffs. What does it mean then? Uh, Are you fine uh, with the poor man's Jake Muzzin? Yeah. You weren't fine with Jake Muzzin. yeah. Just get me through the weekend. Don't don't take <laughs> don't 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 take me to the first round, please, it's with this do. lineup. It's what we do. I know. Yeah. And so if you're Kyle Dubas and you're making these assessments, every game is a referendum on what does it look like in April. And that stinks for fans. I know. I'm supposed to be like, Ben can help, he's physical and he's gonna give him something this weekend and different look and it's just okay. Well, that's not the plan. That couldn't be a good band aid. A good salve here for a little bit. 
What do we make out of Pittsburgh? We're going to have Phil Bork on uh, in the second hour, and we'll get into much greater detail. But this is an organization that could have had a much different feel if they would have moved off of Geno, and they didn't. And uh, they, they, they pushed their chips. Right into the middle of the table, all of them, didn't they? Yeah. By resigning Malkin but, and Latang. Yeah. yeah, they they had good cards. You know, I don't blame them for pushing those chips in. Do you think they should have traded Malkin? No. Well, he was done, right? He was a UFA. They just they just didn't they they, they could have let him walk. They could have let him walk. Yeah. So he he's hit and miss, and he's been kind of hit and miss for a while. He can still dominate. He could still change a game. Uh, but he can also look disinter- disinterested. He can also turn the puck over. Have you heard my most op- uh, inopportune times? Have you heard my theory that Rant will probably get me booed out of here? But peak Malkin is better than peak Crosby or peak Ovechkin. When he is on, when he is engaged, his best that he can offer is the best in the world, or his peak was the best in the world at the time. He's like 6'4". He's dynamic. He dangles. He skates. He's physical. He yeah, he's good, good Malkin yeah, games. Yeah. He was unmanageable. Maybe not. Maybe not the Crosby Ovechkin thing is maybe equal. I'll call him equal. Yeah, I I'll would back never, off that. <laughs> I would never go better. Okay, I'll back off to equal. Never better. His best was as good as those guys' yeah. best. He. The difference is you don't get it as much. You get Sid's well, best or close to often. Yeah, Alex Ovechkin's but, best thing is longevity, but, consistency, but, but, availability. But Sid is way better of making people around him better than Malkin ever was. That's a that's a key yeah. factor for me. Okay. That, that that doesn't is not in your equation. No, no, it's not. I guess when I watch, maybe it's partially based on highlight reels. Like if you yes. their Hall of Fame packages yes. the day they go in, yeah. like there'll be more Malkin moments where you go, oh, yes. You know, like, what was Correct. that? But, yeah, you're right. Getting him engaged, getting him at his best was certainly yes. less common. But his deal is $6.1 million. Four? Did they give him four or three? Till 2026. So this and, yeah, three more after this. So they gave him four years, $24 million. You know, they've the one thing, too, with that organization is they got a little bit of that same he's kind of thing. Yeah, he's up there. Pittsburgh's got a little bit of that same thing with star players, and that is that the best right winger is Rust right now, right? Okay. And who do you think wants to play with him? Malkin? Yeah. And Crosby. Yeah, they both want him. Rust, Raquel, Heinen, Archibald. So now we've got got Rust with Crosby because... Crosby trumps <laughs> yeah. Gino. <laughs> yeah. And I think he's left with Raquel. Yeah, Ricard Raquel. Which is okay, but. Yeah. Like and him. I think Kapanen was a, a healthy scratch the other night. At how much? Uh, Leaf fans know him well here in Toronto. Is he but okay, he's at, he's at $3 million, if I'm not mistaken. He's got a big nut. Yeah, he has, I guess we're just going to pretend you didn't say that, $3.2 million for this year and next yeah. year, so 6.4 left. So that's a bit of an issue. 
And Ra- then Raquel, Raquel, yeah. by the way, has five this year, next year, the year after, the year after, the year after, the year after. Raquel has six more years at five million dollars. Her. Yeah, that's a brand new contract, though, right? Like, okay, yeah. is it gonna make it any better? He's twenty nine now. He's and Yard Croc has two million at twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. It kind of mirrors themselves here, the Pittsburgh Penguins, because they've got their two star players in, in Malkin and Crosby up front. Mm-hmm. Leafs have Matthews and, and Marner. Uh, the blue line has Latang and Morgan a bunch Riley? of other guys, and the Leafs have Morgan Riley and a bunch of others. And I think Morgan and Latang, to me, and of course Latang's. Stanley Cup champion and has hit some can, unbelievable levels that, that, that Morgan has <laughs> not. But both of them, in my estimation, can run the risk of just trying to do too much mm-hmm. and getting themselves in trouble. Definitely. Yeah, that's fair. And the other comparison, what did I say the other comparison was? Oh, even like a guy like uh, Dumoulin, who's had great success. He's having a bad year. Hey, listen, it's a lot of wear and tear. He is, I, I, I see him like I uh, have Muzzin, mm-hmm. right? Good, Can you keep doing that? Shut down steady, guy, physical. physical, penalty kill, and Muzzin's out, and this guy has, is wearing down. Yeah, you can't, it's not the same type of miles as a guy like Keith Yandel played, no disrespect to our boy, you know, but like it's different type of hockey that those guys play. Um, I did want to ask you about the obligation of an organization to even if you are wrong on a guy like Malkin on on superstars yeah. to go down with them yeah. and they've earned that loyalty with their cups yeah. with what they've made your franchise for money yeah. and tickets and days are over see i i disagree those days I, are over i feel like you owe it to those people maybe if you have a cap that is incredibly flexible. But what do you, you play in the make, NBA? You make bad mistakes, and you may pay for it for 10 years now. Listen, I know you're practically right, but I don't think when you're signing a deal like Malkin, you think you know what you're going to get. How long is he going to hold up as an effective player? You At age 36. Yeah, you don't know. John Tavares is the guy we've been predicting to fall off. This is the third year I think we've been waiting for it, and he looks pretty good uh, so far. I know he's younger, but... Yeah. I, I, Here's the thing, too. Malkin, you, you, 6.1. You, he's not making William Nylander money. You know, like, 6.1 is... What's that make him among forwards the 70th highest-paid yeah. guy, you know? Uh, but no, but... Maybe 50th? I can, I can find a... Six million dollar, uh, younger player, maybe even a hungrier player. If <laughs> I have enough time, if I, if I, <laughs> yeah. Did you see him last night? No. Oh, I saw his move in the empty netter. Actually, I did see That's, him last night. What I'm talking about. I was like, on the game. <laughs> like, yeah. Come on. It's like a lacrosse stick. He picks the puck out of the air, toe drags it, yeah. and just shovels it in an empty net like it's nothing. Yeah. But anyways, so, just not to go back to but, your boy, your son, but, David Pasternak. Uh, I love him. I do love him, but. <laughs> Especially around March, if you've if you got some flexibility, you can go and you can you can go get a difference maker. You can, and if you if if they you heartless if they listen a- if they didn't have 
Malkin right now. Yeah. And they just bought a little bit of time. I've got now a checklist right now. If I was Pittsburgh, where I can go and get Ryan O'Reilly, Bo Horvat, or Pierre-Luc Dubois. It's really hard to argue with you there. I mean, yeah. I, I could have done it now. But the those, question those is... Those deals will happen in March. Um, if, if you in get March. engaged Malkin in playoffs, though, he's better than all the guys you just named. At 36? For two months. At 36, yeah. you better hope so if you're uh, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. You better hope that you are right. There's a lot of good hockey players on this team. I know. And it should be a playoff team. And the, it could be... With, with Sid, D. it could still be... Uh, a first round win, mm-hmm. but can it be four rounds? Are they a cup contender? Can they can yeah. they win four rounds? And we're going to see DeSmith back in the lineup tonight, I think. Okay. Sounds right. Okay. All right. All right. Like I said, Portuguese we're going to have Phil Bork. Phil Bork's going to help us uh, figure out which Penguin team shows up tonight. Okay. And then uh, after the break, Doug McLean, it's Friday. Are we going to do a uh, text? Yeah, uh, text 590 590 or uh, at JT Bourne or at Real Kepper. Did you uh, take a bite already of your Oh, Portuguese, yeah. You know what uh, it is? It's the, the tart shell that really makes it. It's a crispy, it flaky. All right. Our thanks to Derek Brandale looking after us on a Friday. You are watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. We're back after the break. Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Friday can only mean one thing. We get tired by the end of the week, and then we welcome in Doug McClain to hopefully games. carry us to the promised land of the weekend. Kristen, did you find him by the pool? By the shuffleboard, pickleball court. Where are up you? From the pool, up from the pool. Just up from the up. pool. I left the beach and went to the pool because I wanted to get the sand off for this show. Get the sand out from between my toes. Uh, too much detail, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're telling me your black socks uh, doesn't protect you from that. <laughs> Not with those sandals I have. <laughs> uh, finding time to watch some games still, it's in your blood. There's just no way you could stay away from that and just do a, antiquing with a, Jill. It's been just an awesome week of uh, of hockey because Jill went up to Cincinnati for the week to uh, visit my daughter, so... I got a chance to sit down every night and watch games, which is kind of a treat. You I'm know? sorry. Did you say it's been an awesome week because your your wife left town? <laughs> well, it just gave me the freedom, the freedom <laughs> of being able to watch some hockey instead of instead of having to watch uh, the Crown and uh, <laughs> you know, a variety of other things I typically watch at she, night after a grueling day of pickleball. She owns you, man. Owns you. 45 years, that happens, man. So Very, very excited. Uh, the, gone, but I'm very excited about seeing her come home on Monday. The Leafs uh, entertain a, a team that's struggled, Mac, in the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, we asked Luke uh, Fox, and I'll ask you the same thing. Is this a 
a good time to be playing Sid and Gino or, uh, you know, maybe you catch him now where the tide's turning? Probably a little dangerous to, time to play them. You know, they, they've been embarrassed. I mean, they haven't played that. They, they're they not as bad as their record shows from when I've seen them. They've just blown some unbelievable leads, you know, and just careless play, which is not typically the way they play. So I, I think it's a dangerous time to play them. You know, obviously the Leafs have played better lately. Um, so this this is another good test for the Leafs, but more so a test for the Penguins to see if they can contain the Leafs. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think it's one of those funny games, a, a team that's desperate in Pittsburgh to get back into the playoff race and a team like the Leafs that are desperate to keep it going because they know if they falter two or three games in a row, you guys will be all over them, you know, and you'll be writing columns. And, and you star, too on a Friday. You know, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'll jump on them a little bit on a Friday. But, I mean, look, it's tough for the Leafs. They're going in I mean, some injuries. They've got, uh, you know, their third-string goaltender who has actually been pretty good for them. So, you know, it's a good good test. Third-string goalies are a big thing right now. I just watched the kid in Jersey last night. He came in and made seven saves in the third period to preserve a win over the Sens. So it was good. Good to see yeah. some of those goalies coming in cold and getting the job done. Doug, we were talking about the Leafs roster and playoffs and how inevitably changes will have to be made before playoffs. You know, one thing that Kipper has mentioned is like big deals don't happen at this time of year. So I just wanted to get the sense, how much of deals that come together later in the year start now? Like how how often you having conversations with a guy saying, hey, I'm going to be looking for this and can we set something up for later? That type of thing. Not very much. No. Typically, no, typically you know, a month before the deadline, they, it starts to heat up. I mean, you're always, you know, you're pro, you're always, you know, the first thing I did every morning when I get in the office was, you know, pulled up every scouting report, every pro scouting report first of where my guys were the night before, who they watched. And you look through the scouting reports on the computer and sort of, you know, you sort of say, okay, how's this guy playing? How's that guy playing in your own head? Then you, after that, you finish, you go through the amateur reports from the night before. And that's why, you know, the rule of most teams is by midnight, you've got to have your reports done from the game you saw the night before. So, you know, it's, it's a great way to start the day and it gets you thinking about potential guys that could be available or you could need, you know, and that uh, for the Leafs, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you a thing that bothers me that we never really talk about is, You've got to you've got to score, and, I, and I've talked to Kipper about this before. You got to got you got to get 150 points from your back end, typically to make the playoffs. And is that Leaf back end capable of getting 150 points? I don't know what they're at today. Probably 22, 23 points right now. I mean, Bodie Brody's got to get get it going offensively a little bit. You got to get some points from that back end. And other than Morgan Riley, who gets points there? Well, well they don't Grin. get points, and they're not physical. What are we talking about with this group? I mean, at least Lilligren now looks like a guy that's willing to uh, go up there and create a little bit. So you know, it's interesting to see. You know, the one team that seems to be able to get it done without their defense contributing is Boston. You know, they they, they get so much going from their from their power play and their forwards. But 
you know, without McAvoy, they haven't created a lot on the back end. So it'll be interesting to watch the Leafs and can they can they create the offense required from the back end to really become a contender. And that's why we all think they need another all-round guy, a point producer and a defender. So that's that's a big that's a tough ask. It is a tough ask. Um, we're seeing uh, some teams devastated now and Columbus is one of them. Warinka went down, had surgery done for the year. Warinsky, yeah. Warinsky sorry. Unbelievable. And uh and if if you're Yarmo now in Columbus, are you not now going okay, where do I go from here and how do I salvage essentially Mac I mean, 65, 70 more games to go. I can't start selling pieces now, but I know I'm done. Well, look, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, I watched a bit of their game last night, too, and Corpusallo finally gets a chance. I think that was his first game he's played at home this year. This guy was a star a couple of years ago, and he's been totally pushed aside for Merzlikens, who hasn't really endured, endeared himself to his teammates with his act, you know? So... You know what? I, I was really happy to see Corpusala get a win last night. But you know what? Wierenski had a great game last night, a couple of big plays, and then they lose him. But what about the good Branson signing? Four million times four years, and he's out. But I mean, talk about a disaster right now with good Branson at four million out. You know, he's a number five guy at best for me, at best at four million, and then they lose Wierenski, and there's they're they're just. Uh, you know they're a disaster right now, and it's disappointing because they played hard last. They, night. They've got that uh, Gavrikov, mm-hmm. f- pretty good defenseman. We, we, I don't know much about him. Well, yeah. he's yeah. going to be UFA. Yeah, he's all right. That to me is he's that right. he, he he would be that kind of uh, David Savard type of guy that teams would be clamoring for. Okay. I, I don't think they that like I don't think they Yarmo like would want to give him away now, though necessarily. And I know you run the risk, Mac, and you can speak of this of. Okay, how long do I want to go? And could he get hurt? And could I just uh, could I blow a chance for a, a first round pick for a guy like this? Do I trade him now or do I wait? But you 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 got to sell well, some sponsorship. You, you got to sell season tickets. You don't want people like not coming to the games. And you got to keep your job. Like you got to keep right. your job is what what he's got to do because all of a sudden there's starting to be some pressure mounting. You know, he's in tenth here in Columbus, I think. Yeah, well, I like him. I think he's a good man. But, but Mac, in, in 10 years, produce. he's had one series that everybody remembers because you swept Tampa Bay yeah. and then you beat right. the Leafs in the bubble. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know right. what, what what else was out there. Well, and that, you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's okay. But in 10 years, when you're, when you, when you're the GM of, it's not a new franchise anymore. He's been there year 10. Year eleven to year twenty-one. That's that's not a new franchise anymore. So there's no there's no more excuses. So I you know what the problem what we're that we're talking about is there's a lot of teams that need that defenseman, the same guy the Leafs need. You don't think Ottawa need, who have lost seven in a row don't need that defenseman that can move into the top four and play big minutes for them. Because if they don't find that guy with the way they're playing, they could miss the playoffs very easily. And that is 
that is frightening for Dorian and DJ Smith if they miss the playoffs. So, well, do you, you know do, what? There's a lot of people looking for the, this type of guy. Do you look at Columbus and their struggles and say, boy, having been there, I know what's so hard about being there, like about retaining players, getting players there. Like, is some of it that it's Columbus, or do you think it's just they haven't had success for other reasons? That, that's that's always a tough part. You know, it, you know, it's not easy, but it's funny. You know, when we were there, you know, we brought in Todd Marchant. He came, came as a rest, uh, unrestricted free agent, a guy that 12 teams were trying to sign. Adam Foote came in, not near the end of his career, when there was 10 or 12 teams trying to sign him, and we were able to talk them into coming. Uh, Luke Richardson came there, not late in his career. Uh, Scotty Lachance came there after coming off a really good year where he mentored Jovanovski in Vancouver. I mean, you got it's it's recruiting it's recruiting at its toughest mm-hmm. but it's possible and and you know what they had some good they've got some good young players there but i watch them and i see these young kids going head to head against the other team's best lines like i know johnson's a good prospect i know cylinder's a good prospect but they're not good enough to go out and play head to head against the other team's best lines and that's where they've got them in the lineup you know, they, you know, so they've got to move them down or get some checking lines together. Like, I just don't get it when I watch them play. It's frustrating as hell. But anyway, that's, uh, that's the coaching, you know. And I, you know, I mean, really. We're talking to Doug McLean, former NHL president, GM, head coach. Uh, Mac, you mentioned Ottawa here. And it's not like Dorian just started looking for a defenseman. He's He's been at it for a very long time. And I know there's a lot of talk about a guy like uh, Shabbat uh, not carrying his weight uh, at $8 million, but th- there is not a lot of help for that guy. And I've kind of went through it a little bit here with Morgan Riley and uh, yep. the pressure on these guys to go out there and, and carry a power play or provide offense and layer up those top forwards. And it's not an easy thing. It isn't. I mean, I, I lo- watched him last night. He played 32 minutes in that game last night. Okay, no, that, that, that's, no. That, Did he really? That's that's but, off like the that, charts. That's not right. Check the stats. Am I wrong in that? No, it was, was 30. Minutes. It wow. was over 30. Yeah, it was 30. And I'm thinking he takes a penalty in overtime and they score the winning goal of it. No but here's the, prob- here's the problem. Shabbat makes $8 million a year. This guy is not a good power play guy. He's never been a great power play guy. And so right now he's playing too much. He's, he has had a 32. terrible training camp. He's had a bad season. What's he got? Three points, three points. And he played in 32 minutes. I mean, come on, you, you, you got an $8 million defense and you got to get more out of them than what he's brought to the table. You say he needs help. Yeah, he needs help, but he's the guy. He's supposed to be the franchise defenseman. And he's not even close to that right now, the way he's playing. So that's my opinion. But they need they need a, a right-hand defenseman desperately bad on that team. And where are they going to find one? And Pierre Dorian, who talks now in the third person, <laughs> I, heard the other day saying, I heard him say the other day in an interview, uh, Pierre Dorian is a very loyal guy. <laughs> he repeated uh, himself, five too. losses. At five losses, 
I don't know what he said after seven, but Pierre Dorian is a loyal guy. Well, okay, Pierre. All right, uh, JB is going to ask you the next question, but between now and the end of um, our segment, you've got to find a way to put your name in, in, in the third person, okay? <laughs> Just think about that for a second. All right, well, then I'll lead with the question. The you know, I, I will have some thoughts on these Canadian teams and the pressures surrounding them, expectations. Maybe it's the scrutiny that makes it seem worse, but I'm looking in Alberta right now, Doug, and it's like the Flames are, well, they lost seven in a row. The Oilers are at like 500. Expectations were so high. Is it the markets that are putting all the pressure on these guys? Is it just like we didn't used to notice? I, I don't understand why right now it feels like every team in Canada needs to be blown up. Well, as Daryl Sutter said when Ubido left the bench where he went, <laughs> yeah. he, should have, he should have said Doug McLean is saying that he should have said that about his whole team. They went <laughs> the same thing Huberto went. I don't think Huberto was very happy about that. About Sutter talking. Yeah. Did, did he did he say anything about it? No, but I heard it I heard he's not happy. Oh you did? Yeah. Thought, thought it embarrassed him. Not happy too. Yeah, he's got a goal and four assists in ten games, and his coach is out there throwing him under the bus. It's like, yeah. I don't know, like, hey, I'm I mean, trying I, to get you know, established here. The, the, it's it's pressure, and yeah. then you you know Edmonton last night a tough tough loss. But anyway, I yeah, I didn't think I got a uh, kick out of it, but I've never heard it before. I mean, it happened to me. I'll tell you what happened to me one time coaching. I was coaching high school hockey in PEI, and I. I looked down the bench, and the Mounties were at the end of my bench. And I thought, then all of a sudden I turned, and Jimmy Clark was my assistant uh, coach, who's the director of player, director of pro scouting. And I said, Jimmy, we need a couple of minutes. He said, Doug, the cops just arrested two of my defensemen. <laughs> they took them right off my bench. They were caught stealing uh, generators and had them in a warehouse. They took, imagine the Mounties taking two guys off my bench in the middle of a game. Nice guy. Oh my God! Isn't there <laughs> a scene? Isn't there a scene in Slapshot <laughs> yeah. where they do the same thing? And There's keys at him. Car keys, a wrench. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it's yeah. The Canadian teams are it, it's it's so frustrating because you thought Calgary were going to be a really good looking team, probably overrated, but they looked like they were going to be a real good team. And Huberto just has had a challenging time fitting in. He'll get it going, but it's uh, it's frustrating to watch them play right now. If, if and we, Edmonton have been up and down. I mean, yeah. everybody seems to be up and down. Well, except uh, Ottawa. What about Debrinket? Uh, Pierre has to say tonight. Pierre Dorian has got to get Patrick Kane to come. <laughs> to help That's what he One thing about do. Pierre Dorian. Pierre Dorian is very loyal. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Pierre, by the way, is it pronounced Dorio? Is it just me, Pierre Dorio? What's he saying there? Play it again, Dorian. Uh, one thing about Pierre Dorio. Pierre Dorio is very loyal. Yeah, he fades off on the end, okay. I think. I think. Yeah, do, you think yeah, anyway. do you think if you had someone like Ryan Reynolds in Columbus during your day to maybe even just stand up in a suite and start the wave that you'd still be there? Uh. Instead of the stinger, I had Kirk Curb Street there. (laughs) You know, he was a big star on ESPN. He was a big fan. He was was probably the biggest celebrity we had in town, Kirk Curb Street. And he was a nobody then. 
and now he's become a star, you know. So did Ryan make you laugh? I don't know. Did Ryan make you I laugh like, on 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 Fallon when he said, uh, uh, I, don't, "I don't have that. I don't have that money." I need a sugar daddy. <laughs> yeah, Jill said that too a couple of times. <laughs> She's in Cincinnati Ryan looking for one. Stole Jill's line. <laughs> Anyway, it's. Uh, I think Ryan Reynolds would be great for, you know, imagine him and and Boo Boo Garriock having a beer in the bar after the game. <laughs> <laughs> be awesome, you know. It would be awesome. Uh, anyway, do you no, buy... I hope Ottawa get it going. I really hope Ottawa get it going. Do, so, do you, you buy know, that uh, they could get close to a billion dollars, Mac, for for that franchise? It would probably. Uh, Property being isn't developed that, is the key, I guess. Isn't that amazing? Uh, you know, we, Columbus. We were Columbus got the franchise for eighty million dollars. Eighty million. Ryan Reynolds could have bought Mr. them McConnell. outright. He could have bought them outright. Mister McConnell bought them for eighty million dollars. And I looked the other day; they're they're valued at six. I think they're valued at six hundred million. Well. I mean, can they get it? Yeah, they'll probably get it because of the real estate play. You know, that, that's, that was, a, you know, say what you want about Eugene Melnick, but he, he stayed on that. He stayed on that LeBreton through, you know, come hell or high water, you know, with lawsuits every which way. He was able to, to hang on and got the authority to keep that as part of the deal. So that is going to make them a valuable franchise. That, and somebody will pay it. Will it be a billion? I don't know about a billion, but... Yeah. You know. All right. Did you get a chance to read my award winning uh Toronto Star column on Jack Campbell? Yeah, you were a hundred percent accurate on well, that one. Yeah, that was... Another good it, one. It's it is it it, it it's hard to it's watch. Yeah, isn't it? It's hard it to is. watch like a, a, anyone struggle like that. It's not really that well, rare. But why or I why think does he why does he do that? Every time he loses a game, why does he have to go to the podium and say how bad he is? Well, he, just once he should go and say the team's no good in front of me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I off. didn't give a touchdown up by myself. It, it would help there. him. It yeah. would help him, but he, it's yeah, it's hard. He's got to get away from that. He's got to he's got to get away. And Kenny Holland, five years, five million. I mean, look, yeah. he had his ups and downs in Toronto. The guy had limited experience in in his career of playing as a number one guy until the last year and a half. Would and, you, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where these expectations came from too. What, what has he done in his career to think that he's going to be a number one guy? Played in what Toronto well done? for a yeah. month. Played, played in for Toronto. Games. Played, had yeah, a great stretch games. in Toronto. Yeah. With no playoff experience or at, to speak of. And, and now he, you know, he gets a five-year deal. I don't Very know likeable, why. Though. Would you? Would, would I don't even. I don't even know. Would you take him out of the lineup? The would you take him out of the lineup for a good stretch and just let him uh, work on it, things? You know. You know. I. I would just have it so that you know he's got to battle Skinner for the number one job. That's that's all I would do. Like right now, he he's got a he's got to battle the other kid. I mean, the other kid stood as a as a backup for the last four years with hardly getting a chance and now he's playing pretty well when he gets the opportunity i just let him be the backup for now until he figures it out all right well good good luck uh getting the sand out between your toes 
Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. And uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, hey, Doug. I don't think he's that sincere. Yeah, you know, we appreciate having him. Though. Doug we McLean says he's thrilled to be on. <laughs> I think that's about the fourth time that you've uh, referred to yourself in the third party. Exactly. I know. All right, know. Doug McLean. Anyway. Doug McLean. Okay, take have, care, have guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks. See I know he's saying, go back to Skinner, hey, battle it out. But I don't know. I, I To me, I, I think long and hard about just giving him a good week of practicing and getting his head straight. They had no mercy for him last night, though. Like, it's, it honestly puck, made me... The puck cannot hit him. It can't even accidentally hit him right now. Well, and the way it started going in, where who was it on the ground? Martin Hook, and he bats it out of the air, and it rainbows over him. Like, things aren't going right. Take him out of the net. Like, save him. The stretch that he had last season, me and you sitting in the exact same chairs talking about his ability to absorb the puck. Oh, yeah, Velcro chest. Everything that touched him stuck. Whistles. No second and third chances. This guy didn't give out any rebounds. It was like there is nobody better in the league during that stretch that could get a team a face-off. Uh, and it was unbelievable last night. The third one that went in last night, it looked like the web of his glove was made of dry ramen noodles. Like, he just went through the through the webbing. He's looking at his hand. And I was like, just get him out of there. Like, he's not comfortable. I felt sad for him because I know he's, like, an emotional guy. He seems like a nice guy. You shouldn't feel bad for an athlete making $5 million. But, man. And that's... And you got to pay It's him. a tough market, too. One With of the hardest, that, I think, uh, to, to struggle in. Hey, listen, Toronto's got Edmonton in sheer numbers of eyeballs that cover them. I think that's but, what it is in Toronto. It's volume. It's, it's not, just volume. Yeah. It's just volume. But they are... They're just as tough yeah, and, on, on their players. And, you know, talking to Luke Gazdick, who played there a little bit, he just said that, like, because it's a smaller town, like here, you can go out to dinner, and it's kind of like you can blend in a bit. You're also, like, the 10th richest person in any restaurant if you're an NHL player here. But, like, in Edmonton, he said that people knew him. He'd go get a Starbucks coffee, and they'd be like, well, I was up in that third goal last night, man. You know, to <laughs> Luke Gazdick, you know? And it's like, yeah. that's a different environment to play in. They know who you are. Okay, we're going to take another break here, and we've got Phil Bork to tee up the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight as they battle the Toronto Maple Leafs in uh, the start of the All-Star, or, uh, Hall of Fame weekend, mm-hmm. which is great. A lot of people in town to enjoy that. All right, quick break, and we're right back on Real Kipper and Bourne. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Outside of the last three games uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Sid Crosby has absolutely owned them. 63 points in 47 games, 28 goals, 35 assists. But it's not it's not the best. No. Gino ah. is a bigger Leaf killer than even really? Sid. You want to hear those numbers? I do. What a... Twist. I look, it looks like you had to do some math over there. I did. Well, it's Friday, and I did math. Crazy. 40 games. How many points? He's like, what, a point and a half guy? 60? Five. 
65 points in 23 games. goals, 42 assists. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's just, uh, yeah. He's a good it's hockey player. A Toronto, a Toronto thing. He likes, uh, yeah, he... He'll take the big Usually stage. Usually it's the old. Is he from here? I don't I don't think that Gino's from here. He'll, he'll enjoy the big stage here. Yeah. Oh, and the fans love it too. I, I have, uh, in my limited experience going to games over the past few years, getting to go, he always stands out. And then I talked about him glowingly off the top, but always a must-watch guy. No doubt about it. So I was looking up the Phil Bork uh, play. Oh, we don't he, have him. He was... Uh, he was one of those talented, talented players that I got to play in the American Hockey League when uh, Mark Recchi was unknown. Yeah, John Cullen was unknown. Okay, uh, sorry, and Phil Bork and my buddy Phil. So before you talk to Phil, yes, this is the picture of Phil with his toe down on the puck, and I think it's a penalty shot, and I'm dying to ask him about it. Okay. Let's ask him, <laughs> Borky. What were you thinking? Shipper. Was was that a penalty shot? Uh, it it was as good of as a penalty shot can be uh, without it being a penalty shot because I blocked the shot at my own blue line. I'll give you the real quick version of this. I used to do it in practice all the time. Well, you know, keep away or you know, come in on a goalie and we just be doing breakaways or whatever. And uh, my teammates would always razz me because I could pull it off. They said, oh, you don't have the, the gonads to do it in a game. I was like, okay, we'll see. We'll see. And it was against Detroit back when Badger Bob Johnson was the head coach. And I blocked the shot at my own blue line. It, it was a just perfect block where it just went right out in front of me. So I picked it up at center red. And this little voice said to me, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I said, all right, here we go. And I turned the toe over, pinned it to the ice. I came in on, um, I can't remember the goalie's name, Shovel Day? Yes. Yeah. It might have been, yeah. yeah. And uh, I ended up burying it into the pad. Here's you had the him. Part of the story. I had him. I had him. Everything but the biscuit in the basket. Yeah. But here's the funny part. Gerard Gallant, who was playing for Detroit at the time, came up to me, and he was pissed. <laughs> he was hot. <laughs> I love he it. He was like, what the hell are you doing? And then we ended up going in the box, the penalty box for roughing. He was so mad that I did that. He's like, you're a better player than that. Why would you do that? That's a clown move. And we kid about it. We joke about it now, you know, but at the time, he was the one Detroit Red Wing that just thought that was unacceptable. <laughs> and he was he's a tough guy too, right? He, he was right up there with uh, oh, yeah. taking on some big boys. Oh yeah, he he was uh, he was all business. He was a guy that, yeah, you made sure you knew when so uh, Gallant was on he, the ice. He he basically said you tried to embarrass us. That's what that that was the message. That's what it was, and I'm okay with that. But here's the thing, Nikki. Uh, you know, I I was I was like you. You know, like undrafted player, we had to scratch and crawl to get to the National Hockey League. Once we got there, you know, we never forgot it was the entertainment business. You know what I mean? The fans loved it, and here we are. Well, it was 32 years later, and we're still still talking about it. So. I don't know. I didn't score, but I must have done something right. Well, it, today here we are, and Zegers yet again this week uh, pulls off a of Michigan that gets uh, pulled back because of a, an offside. But I don't know. We still hear the conversation, but it's nowhere near to what you experienced back then now, right? No, you're right. Things have changed. I mean, yeah. 
I don't know, Nikki. I mean, it, it, it kind of chased me the wrong way. And listen, you were a lot tougher than I was, but but I would drop the gloves. And I, you did I've taken five punches in the face to to get one in to stick up for a teammate, or you know, when it, when it came to the principle of the game and and doing something where you felt like you were embarrassed, then you, you paid a price, you know. So you didn't do it as much. And now I just feel like. Young guys come in the league and they feel like, I don't have to fight. I don't have to answer the bell. I can do whatever the hell I want, and nobody's going to do anything about it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely the truth. I I get it. It's just like a different era that way. You know, the Leafs are kind of built on part of – on it being that way, that they don't have to answer sometimes, that they it's not as physical, that they can just Austin Matthews being a guy that doesn't, you know, recently didn't answer the bell, depending how you feel about it, or didn't stay interested. Did you watch? Uh, might as well get your take on that, the the Matthews thing and him not going back at connecting. How do you feel about that? Well, and you've watched I'm, Sid. I'm conflicted. You, you, I'm conflicted. You, you know why? Because it shouldn't be Matthews. It should be one of his teammates. It should be some. Some jabroni on the fourth line that, you know, gets four <laughs> minutes tonight. That's his job. Damn it. I mean, this guy's outscoring 60 goals a year. He's got to pick up for himself, too. And we, it's a little bit of that going on in Pittsburgh. I'm sorry to say that. But, you know, Sid Crosby gets abused all the time. He looks over his left shoulder and right shoulder. He said, well, if nobody else is going to stick up for me, I'll stick up for myself. And the same for Jake Gensel and Kenny Malkin and Chris Letang. And we saw it in the playoffs last year against the New York Rangers that teams take liberties against the star players. And I don't see one guy even, like, blowing his bad breath in the other player's face. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, but I'm at a loss for words of why. Porky, Sid, stick up for a star. Sid has on occasion uh, answered it himself, though, whether it is a cross-check or a punch, you know, even we've seen him uh, go with Chara. We've seen him really engaged. Like he's, I I don't know if we're going to look back at his history and a lot of people are going to talk about uh, Sid having maybe a, a short fuse, but there is some examples where he has had one. And that's fine. I think that's a little bit of the Michael Jordan, right? Where... You know, if you're not going that night, you get involved physically. So, yeah, Sid's not, look, I'll be the first one to say, Nikki, that, that Sid's not a choir boy. You know what I mean? He doesn't have a, a little ring around the top of his head. Uh, he likes to mix it up. And so does Gino, too. So uh, just get me straight on that. Uh, but more, the thing that really chased me is when Sid has to retaliate for some liberties taken against him. Yeah. But you're right. There's times when out of the clear blue, Sid will engage somebody but I think more times than not, that's to get himself going and get his team going. How has Malkin been this season? Speaking of engaged players, you know, they committed four more years to him at $6 million per, and, you know, the results for the Penguins haven't been great. How's Gino been? He's been okay. He's been, at times, you know, Gino where he can, he can dominate. He can be special. And, and you know, he's six foot three. but times when he gets galloping, he looks six foot six. He looks like mm-hmm. a monster out there. The one knock that I have on Gino is at times he plays high-risk hockey. And what I mean by that is he makes passes that, and I get it, it's easy from 125 feet up in the press box. But you just go, what was he seeing? And I know Gino's lenses are a lot different than my lenses. You know, he sees a play to be made there. But, you know, when over time and time and time again, Justin, you see him try to make those plays and they're low-percentage turnovers, and they end up going the other way, that's – you're never going to win. And he, he mm-hmm. didn't do that as much when the Penguins were winning. And 
when the Penguins start to unravel defensively, a lot of times it's because of those type of plays where they mismanage the puck and they feed the other team's offense. We're talking to Phil Bork, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Penguins uh, and doing a terrific job uh, on their broadcasting team uh, as well. Uh, is, is, is the Washington game the other night the turnover that they needed to start uh, uh, addressing some consistency here? What, can, what, what are the Leafs going to see tonight? Well, I, I think the Penguins will go in and try to win the game one nothing. They, they should. Um, you know, Nikki, when you've lost seven in a row, you're always searching for, okay, is this the game? Is this the period? Is this the play? Is this the save? Is this the goal? What's going to get us back to our winning ways? So I guess you have to. Whether it was a masterpiece or not, it was a win. And when you've lost seven in a row, to get one win, feel good about yourself and, and feel like you played the right way, well, then that's a giant step forward. Hey, one of the guys of big interest up here in Toronto is a guy that was here in Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, I think Kipper mentioned at the top of the show he may have been healthy scratched recently. Like, he's still making some money. What is going on with this? Is he going to stay in Pittsburgh? Are they going to move on from him? What's happening with Cappy? Well, Justin, I don't know. I mean, here's a kid that God has basically taken his index finger when he came out of the womb, touched him on the forehead, and said, I'm going to give you all the skill, yeah. all the speed, the shot. I'm going to give it to you all. But I'm not I didn't get the break. finger, by the you way. I didn't get that finger. I also was passed over. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to figure the rest out. And he hasn't figured it out. I mean, he was a healthy scratch last game. He's going to be a healthy scratch again tonight. I mean, if that's not a big old piece of humble pie that rammed down your throat, then I don't know what it is to come back to Toronto and you're a healthy scratch. Let's see how he responds. I mean, that's what Mike Sullivan's looking for. He's looking for, for Cappy to get so pissed off at him. And Mike Keenan used to do this. And John Tortorella does this. And, and sometimes it works. But I think Mike Sullivan, this is his last gasp with, with Cappy, I think. You know, because he's tried, you know, he's tried just giving him the massage on the shoulders. He's tried giving him just a size 11 up the backside. And now by the healthy scratch, if that doesn't do it, then I don't know what's going to do it. Because he just won't go to the net. He gives you all the speed, all the skill, all the, the good stuff, but you won't take it to the net. You don't go to the net. You don't score in the NHL. Hey, one more for me, Borky, and we'll let you go. Uh, and that's just uh, you've done it. You've lived through it with this Pittsburgh Penguin organization um, through the lean years and then the great years. Where is this year in comparison to pressures, um, even including the Mario days, because – the sense was with Pittsburgh that, uh, you know, with Malkin going to UFA, that it was over and they just got to find a different way now. But then they pushed the chips back into the middle of the table with these three guys. And what would, you know, what would missing the playoffs do to that in terms of, you know, what, what it means to the city? Fair question, Nikki. And missing the playoffs, that is not an option. That is not an option for this hockey team. When ownership and management went to the end of the world to give everybody what they wanted, right? Give Brian Russ what they wanted. Give Chris Letang what he wanted. Give Evgeny Malkin. And at the end of the day, give Sid what he wanted because he wanted the band back together. He got it all. Okay, so no more of these seven-game losing streaks. And to really directly answer your question, I think it's going to be a conference final, right? Forget this, Jeff, making the playoff. You kidding me? That's, That's not even in the conversation. I think they have to be thinking loftier goals and bare minimum conference final. Wow. Hey, listen, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Have a great call tonight, and we'll stay in touch. 
Thanks, Porky. All right. Enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed it. Thank good you. Good hockey talk. Absolutely. Wow. He was good. Oh, yeah. He's got, he he's got an good. opinion. Well, right? you know what? Like I said, he's he's lived it. There's a guy with two Stanley Cups that uh, can look people in the eye and said, I, I did it. And, and you know, we we know sometimes you get those team broadcasters mm-hmm. and it's you know, they're careful with their words. That yeah. guy... That guy didn't mince worse today. And he'll go in there and he'll see those guys and he'll say the same to them. I'm sure he'd be very comfortable with that. That was fantastic. And, yeah, I I felt it's not an option. Everybody got what they wanted. Well, and it reminded me of, again, LeBron in in L.A. saying, you know, get these veteran guys. He built his own team. He's the GM the way the Sid's the GM. You know what it reminded me of? Hmm. Right here in Toronto. Everybody got what they wanted. Everyone got what they wanted, but there wasn't one, like, player who said, this is for me. Like, this is Sid being like, I want the team together. Okay. But this is what I want. 11.6. Mm-hmm. 11. 10.9. Yeah. Every player got exactly what they said. Morgan Riley got his long-term deal. Yeah. Everybody got what they want. No. It's, they weren't at the point where I don't think Austin said Mitch has to come, you know, get mm-hmm. Mitch done. I'm sure he had voiced his opinion if they if he was asked, but... Um, everybody pretty much in terms of the big boys and Kyle got what he wanted in terms of, uh, the scouts going out there and handpicking the players that he wanted and all of it. And it's like, okay, now not getting out of the first round isn't an option for the Leafs. The era of player empowerment is fascinating because on one hand, I love it. I love in the NBA that these guys are like, nope. You know, this. I don't know this organization anything. I want to play with him and him. We're going to go to... I love that. Did, did we not see that in Boston last well, weekend? This is exactly where I'm going with it, is the Bruins, where they said, okay, you know, we want Krejci back, and we're going to get... You know, they basically... The players are deciding another uh, run uh, at it. But uh, prospects. We don't like your prospect. Yeah, Out. 100%. And it's like, it is the best thing, right? It's good. It's entertaining. The players are happy, whatever. But... It's players aren't necessarily GMs. You know, they're all looking out for their own self-interest and what they want to happen. They don't have the best sense of what's going to make the best teams and how ownership gives in or management gives in. And it's that old saying, uh, inmates in the asylum, who's running it? You know, I, I think it's important that players do their jobs and coaches do their jobs and managers do their jobs. Right now you've got a, a coach in Vancouver whose GM or sorry, whose team president is absolutely burying them. And they're asking them to play a different style than the way Boudreaux wants to play. Like who's coaching the team now. And to your point, Kyle is well, dictating Patrick. Um, the Alvin. Alvin is, not acting like a general manager. Does he exist? He's acting like uh, a guy that just takes special advisor advi- to the yeah to the, to to Jim Rutherford. And Kyle got rid of a coach who didn't coach the system he wanted, so he gets a coach that does it his way. GMs are dictating how their teams play by hiring coaches who coach in the way they want. There's such a merging of everyone wanting to do everyone else's job that I don't think it's helping anyone. What team is having success doing that? It's a good question. By the way, you and I are now going to watch Casper's Dogovin's penalty shot from 2013 
because this is the Phil Bork, ins- or, you know, this is af- years after Phil Bork. Do you remember this shootout attempt? I do, yes. So Doggovin puts his toe of the, bl- of the blade on the puck, yes. skates it, and I don't mind what he's doing. The spinorama really puts it over the top of the showboat. He almost scores. I don't know. Have you ever played another shift in the NHL or not? Uh, who's the goaltender there? Tuka Rask. He did a nice job covering Well, the, he gets beaten, and then he stuffs that toe out at the end. But this is an wow. effective move. If he... Maybe minus the spin, you can do a little. But the thing is, is you can't go up. Where 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 Tuca was able to do is once he committed to the three sixty, mm-hmm. he knew there was only one place right. he was going. Realistically, if you ever and saw he, someone doing that, you just lay down. He, he just <laughs> cheated, right? So anyway, chutzpah. Oh my gosh, that's a that was a good follow up to uh, that story about uh, Gerard calling him out that's I, I can't believe he had the you know he he said he had the he must have gone courage. in with a 13 game winning streak and feeling good phil hey. bork though that was uh that was one of my favorite moves as a kid i loved it all right how's our boy tristan back there and a shout out to frank the tank who i did not acknowledge at the beginning of the show but he's hiding back there all somewhere right. how are you pal thing we haven't reviewed is tristan gonna read us questions on the air here are we gonna go through i'm not reading them (laughs) tristan you good with that any questions back there all right brother uh, let's let's have it did we give them the number already uh five ninety five ninety to any texts or questions you have you can go ahead and send in and tristan will read them to him you just tell us when you got something and and let us know there fella all right what else uh anything else uh on our end of the week checklist where we got a Jack Eichel had a natural hat trick in Buffalo last night. I didn't night. watch any of it. Uh, did you catch uh, a good portion of it? I did. So at one point, he has a penalty or a, a breakaway from his own zone that he slowed. It was basically a penalty shot. So all of Buffalo got to realize it was Jack on the breakaway, holding their collective breath, doesn't score. Booze rain down like. Were the booze as bad as you thought, or just right where. Uh... Yeah, he got booed pretty good. He did, okay. You know, in the game. And then so that happens through the first, I don't know, two periods. He scores the natural hat trick in the third period. And when he scores, gives it to the crowd, the are you not entertained? (laughs) Arms wide, looking up at everyone. You know, and he was fired up. He scored the empty net or he took a shot from behind his own goal line, which, you know, maybe wasn't the best choice, but he scores three. And that's not... uh... That's not going to mend anytime soon, eh? In no, he didn't help. Ten years. He didn't help himself. Just I, by, I think he did make a. I think he did talk about last year coming in and being very emotional. Don't you remember that one? I do. Yep. Yeah, I listened to that last yeah. night. I, I think that helped a little bit coming I, in. Yeah, good point. And then last night, just set it back again. Well, you know, it's when you're like, ah, you know, I made it. He didn't, he wouldn't apologize though. In that interview, he said, Jack Eichel said before the game that last year when he came in, he was a little emotional. He was surprised at the reception was as frosty as it was. So he, you know, do you remember? He said like, you know, after getting booed, he goes, that was the loudest I've ever heard that crowd in seven years. (laughs) Yeah, really? All it took was me being gone. Like he, he really, anyway. Vegas yeah. 13 and two. Uh, and really established, I think now as the, the best, best team in the NHL. Yeah, the best, uh, dare I say it after 15 games, but have they not established that they are the, 
uh, most balanced, I guess. I don't know. I, they're big. All I know is they're big and they can skate. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the Boston Bruins look pretty darn good, but Vegas certainly has a case um, at 13-2, and two, plus 23 goal differential. 8-1 and one on the road, too. They've only played six times at home, nine games away. Yeah, that's impressive. That is. So, what was the stat that somebody gave me the other day? And this is a Toronto Maple Leaf one that uh, uh, the, the the three games that they had against, uh, uh, including Vegas, it was the first time that a team could have beat three teams in a row with a 750 or better record. Really? Yeah, and they they blew it with the the loss to Vegas. Losers. <laughs> that is pretty impressive though. Yes, uh, never I mean, been done before. That's really where shocking. A team has, has three had, straight wins over had, 7 yes. 750 winning yes. percentage teams. Wow. Okay, yeah, who, whoever, whoever dug that up by the way, get a life. Really find <laughs> other things to do. What do the kids say on the internet? Touch grass. Go outside. Go smell the That's air. A pandemic god. Uh, thing though isn't Touch it grass yeah yeah i think because so. there's like kids that are born that you know two years never touch grass yeah get out there that's just grab really a handful strange. of strange yeah that is a little is, bit is tristan working today well he just left for about 10 minutes and i've been like is do we have uh tristan you got any questions yet for us are you looking for sammy right now because he's <laughs> not coming in uh in the last Guys, 20 minutes i just i i had to get a pair of headphones i'm sorry <laughs> Oh, good, buddy. All good. That's great. Well, very well prepared, yes. our producer today. I love, I love it. All right. Do we have any questions so far? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Donnie is writing in. Uh, there's no uh, location with Donnie, but he's saying, assuming the Leafs are in a position to make the playoffs, do they go with the goalies they have or make a move at the deadline? And who is even available with the cost? All right. Donnie. Thank you, Donnie, from Parts Unknown. Yes. Uh, there's not a chance that uh, they will leave the stretch of the hockey season in the hands of someone that does not have NHL experience. <laughs> so in saying that, we have talked a little bit. Uh, the list came out. Uh, was it Frank? Who had the list of yep. uh, goaltenders? Frank wrote up a five. Yeah, goalie list. and we did talk about uh, some of those names on. And then I had mentioned... Uh, any goalie that I, I remembered off the top of my head having a uh, expiring contract, like a Cam Talbot, like a Varlamov. Those are two names. People want to be focused, I think, on Jonathan Quick, depending on where L.A. is towards uh, March. Do you believe in today's day and age that teams would care about who they trade with based on rivalries? For example, the Ottawa Senators, would they want to be seen as helping the Leafs by giving them a player that could help them get over the top? No, no, not again in this era. It's what's my value back? How do I benefit? Doesn't matter uh, division or not. Really? Yeah. That's, that's my feeling. I guess if it comes down to you feel like the return's equal, both teams are offering you a second rounder, then you say, okay, well, we don't want the Leafs to do well. Uh, yeah, but then you guys, where's that second rounder? Where right. do we envision that second rounder? Is it uh, You just want the better middle, pick. You middle, don't care. Middle of the, 
middle of uh, the round, uh, at the end of the round, uh, bottom 20, mm. uh, top 20, I don't know. Yep, that would make a difference. I could see that. So, yeah, there's there's options for the Leafs. I think first things first is you just see what Matt Murray looks like. Like, the biggest thing that they need to have happen is Matt Murray to stay healthy for a run of time where they can say, okay, when he's healthy, he's this. Do you know what I mean? Like, just so it's not always, well, he didn't play well, but he was just back from injury, or, well, he was, you know, playing with a slightly tweaked groin. Or Okay, the beginning of this show feels like trying to remember what we said on Monday for me. <laughs> Did we did we play a Matt Murray progression we did. clip? Yeah. Oh my god! You've been listen, man. You've been doinked a couple times again. I've been there too. It's... And what did they say again? Nothing. Okay. There. <laughs> That's why I don't remember it. It was Sheldon because it like, was a complete waste of time. Total, total, just dud. Yeah. Well, let's see okay. if the medical staff lets him. We do. We haven't played the Borea Salming clip. Sheldon Keefe talked about yes. him. If you want to talk about the Hall of Fame uh, inductions weekend we at all? Can, for sure. The- Tristan, is there anything else of interest that would supersede that sort of talk? Any question that blows your mind? I mean, we got a bunch, but... Uh, Any the- interesting ones? <laughs> Tristan, let's start there. Okay. Because we, we uh, have a show here. I know. We're actually... <laughs> Outside of this room, people listen to. I am never going to produce. They're never going to let me produce this show again. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, this is from Colin and Barry. Uh, this is kind of interesting. What do you guys think a legitimate trade package would be from the Leafs to Vancouver for Bo Horvat and Luke Shen? Great. Love this. So I think that the Leafs have compelling trade pieces. I imagine, I feel like you, you're you doing stuff right now. I, I feel like it's... Yeah. Got to be a first rounder involved and got to be a prospect that they see helping them significantly, ideally on the defensive end. So maybe that's Sandine. Is, is Robertson interest them? Is that nice? Okay. I'm just. I just traded everything they have. No. <laughs> it's just outside of money for. Let's just go outside of money for a second. Okay. Why. Do the Leafs want Bo Horvat? They want him. Are you trading a first rounder mm-hmm. for a third center iceman, a third line center iceman? Where where do you envision Bo Horvat? You've got Matthews and Tavares. You're one and two centermen. Where is Bo Horvat in this? I don't know. He can play in the third line, Kenny. And- so I'm going to give up a first rounder and a top prospect, Luke's. Luke's a throw-in. Luke's a throw-in. No. Luke cleared yeah. waivers. Yeah. Luke, you could have had Luke a thousand times in the last three years for nothing. Yeah. Don't. It, it, he's he's it, upgraded Jordy ha, Ben. Has he put himself in a position at the trade deadline now that you're going to give up a, a fourth for him? Uh, like I'm not giving up a, a second or a third for him, but yeah. maybe I am if I'm desperate for a right-handed Pro- physical guy. Probably maybe a third. I am. A third. Yeah. Okay. At the end of the day, uh, if you have to, maybe. If you need it, maybe. But yeah. outside of that, wh- why am I giving up a first and a prospect for uh, a guy I can't resign? Um, so he's a Nick Felino, and he's going to play in my bottom six. Because we're going to fire you if you don't win this season. Okay, that just, it doesn't make sense for me. We're going to fire you. If I'm <laughs> no. not mistaken, he's got a big you, nut. <laughs> you you want to talk about a chance to resign him and... Uh, 
rejigging a few things yeah. in your roster and finding a way to keep a Bo Horvat and thing is he's also Kipper though he's not just a third line center because in the final minute of the game you need a goal he's probably on the ice as one of your six guys if you need you know you're pressing and you're only rolling two lines to get something he's probably one of those guys and John Tavares is playing on the wing like you know he's a third liner only in name only he probably plays 17 18 minutes for you okay it- so I'm sorry so it's late in the game and you want Horvat out there so I'm throwing out Tavares, Marner, Willie, Matthews, and Bo Horvat. And who's going to watch the other end for me? Morgan is also a forward. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no room there, guys, for another it is a poor allocation. six forward. You want to talk about? You want to talk about moving Nylander out for a defenseman and then going to get Bo Horvat? We got a conversation. Okay. So, yeah, making dominoes got to fall. You and I sorted the salary cap based on the allocation by position, right? We saw 60-some percent of the Leaf salary cap is based is, goes to forwards. and I think at yes. least that's 65 60. or something. It was the highest 62. in the NHL. So it, is, it would be crazy. the second team that kind of surprised Montreal. me? Montreal. Yes. Yeah. It would be crazy to see them go add someone with a big salary up front. Like, it's tough to look at this roster and be like, they need a big money forward, you know? So, yeah. All right. Does that answer? I don't know. Who was that? Donnie from Unknown? Uh, That was, yes. That was Donnie. Yes. All right. Correct. (laughs) A lot of of trade questions for you Hey, we got a lot of mileage out of that question. Thanks, Don. Yeah, you're you're not going to get fired before the end of the show right now, Tristan, (laughs) if you can pull another one out. Um, Well, a lot of trade questions for you guys. Uh, This is from Jeff from Sarnia. Uh, Sticking with the trend of trading for a defenseman. With St. Louis slumping, do you think Pareko would be a good fit for the Leafs' blue line? I love him, too. His name comes up all the time. I'm a big Pareko fan. Uh, A a great shutdown kind of guy. He did it when they won their Stanley Cup. He was awesome. But there are some health issues. I want horses back there. Horses. (laughs) Horses. <laughs> I love that you surprise yourself. What is that? Uh, Letty Pareko, Krug, Falk, Rosen, Mikola. Nico Mikola is my favorite name yeah. in the NHL, by the way. I think his dad was in Miko Mikola. Anyway. Um, Isn't that a brand? <laughs> is uh, it? I mean, they make cameras or something? Yeah, I think you're right. Colton Pareko, <laughs> Colton Pareko is large. Uh, yes. He is right-handed. Yes. He can play lots of minutes. That would be lovely. Is he a six and a half million dollar guy though? With term? Yes. Talk about a cost on him. Like you're you're doing first yeah. nice, your firstborn son. He has a oh hold on, sorry. It would be six point five million dollars through I don't know, many years from now, twenty twenty nine. Oh is that too really? Is that too many years for you? He's 29 years old currently. So he just started a new deal? Yeah, it looks like it. And there are some... He is in his first year of, of an a... eight-year $52 million contract. Wow. So it would be a large Scratch Colton off your list, really? Jeff from Sarnia. Well, you got to get... You, you... No, I don't. <laughs> it's so it's much. Just, it's... it's a long Well, commitment. Muzzin's never coming back. So that's five, six. 
And yeah, that's you five, still, six of your six, five. Yeah, you still need to come up with another million. I feel like this is me trying to justify buying golf clubs to my wife. It's like, well, if we put the money from this towards that, I'm two-thirds of the way there. I just need another $1,000. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's so true. Yeah, it's not. It is a lot. But, you know, the salary cap going up. You'd like to have some stability on your in back end. Years. Veteran guys won a cup. In two years. Six, five. It's going up in two years. No, it's going up this year, $4 million. Uh, is that enough? I don't just know. Just for one guy? It's different. It really does depend on what happens with um, and, and Muzzin. It's, and it's the price that you're going to have to pay for him, Matt too, Murray. as well. Yeah. I, I can't see Doug Armstrong bailing on Colton Pareko. No. The Blues do. It's Falk. And Falk has been really good. Krug. Like, he was the guy that they that stepped in right away for uh, losing Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. And he is, he's been really good for them. Yeah, they've lost quietly. Shattenkirk, Petrangelo. Yeah. I don't know if I can say that when they've lost so many games in a row. Yeah, things are really coming up roses for the Blues. Letty makes four. That's too much for Nick Letty, if I may say. Really like the player. Okay, Hall of Fame weekend. Roberto Luongo, Sedins, Alfredson. Yeah. Borja Salming's here to watch. I, I would imagine that's why he's yes. here or maybe here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, real Vancouver Canuck feel here, which is good. Mm-hmm. Good distraction, I think, for the organization. And uh, they or highlights embarrassing. Great run by all three of those guys. Yeah. I mean, you can't take away the the high levels. Did you want them hit. to win when they were playing the Bruins in the final? Um, I think so. Yeah, I can't remember that far back, but <laughs> I, I yeah, I think so. Yeah, like why not? Uh, by then we were we were well into a a drought of the Montreal Canadiens back in nineteen ninety three. And it just, like, that Boston Bruins team has been so good for so long, it would be a shame to think of them as never won, having won a cup. So between them and the Canucks, like, one of them was going to end up as that team. So Yeah. yeah. Now, one of them came up uh, uh, with COVID. Yeah, one of the, the Sedins. They said he'll be... You would be, think they would both just get it. He'll be fine by Monday. Okay. So I don't know. I don't think uh, he's playing in the... Uh, the alumni game on Sunday, which is uh, Mats versus uh, the Big E. Oh, is it? Yeah. Now, would there be one speech for both of them? Do you think they go up? That's a really good right? question. Like, Do they you go could up save together? Save us an hour if they went up together and just just one guy. Like legit, if one of them went up and told their life story, the other one would be like that. Me too. You could one of them could read the speech and the other one could just nod. The other one could just do the ditto marks. Yeah, just exactly. Same. Like yeah. you've worn the same uniform, you dress the same, same haircuts, same path, same, same line, beards, same speech. It would be fascinating if one of them had a different look on it from the other one. You know, and gave some sort of wildly different spin to their careers. I but would be very upset at them. Would you? Yeah, yeah. now. Now? <laughs> now you want to look like, uh, you know. Yeah. You want to look like my brother now? I think there is almost no chance they go up separately, even though they probably deserve that as individuals. This is a great question. <laughs> I'm fascinated by this now. Are they going to go up individually or separate? I'm, I'm going, going, you, on, I'm going one, on the greatest website in the world, twice. Twitter, after this. Get us out by 9.30. Yeah. Oh, man. That's what really. I think. Okay. Our thanks to Phil Bork teeing up the Leafs, Sid, Luke Fox. And on Friday, always a pleasure talking to Doug McClain.
That's, where where yeah. was Sammy today, by the way? Did we did we grant permission? I think he's on the Sabres now. They just signed him. Wasn't uh, he in Buffalo again or something? Derek, thanks for the Portuguese tart, my friend. Mwah. Class move. Really putting pressure on Jen Rolnick now next week. <laughs> Frank we probably owe him something. Third mention, Frank. Third mention. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Hall of Fame. We're back Monday. Thanks for watching, listening. Real Kipper and Bourne.